Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ejlene. And I'm Gracie. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, we put it to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all. World peace. That is not correct. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, and today, uh, you know, we're doing Chick Flick Month, and we have a wonderful guest with us today. Allison, if you could please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Allison Dorr. Uh, I am a radio host and a, a record label founder. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being well, part of this. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, we're also super excited to talk about this movie. Uh, so we're doing Miss Congeniality. Now, I'm, I gotta be honest. I loved this movie as a kid because it's one of the few movies where my name is the same name as the main character. Ashleen, unfortunately, has never had this happen to her. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I was uh, never quite lucky to have a character with the exact same name because uh, the book I was named after was never turned into a movie. Pity. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Um... Sorry? What book were you named after? Um, To Light a Penny Candle. Um, one of the characters in that book by... Benji. Oh. Sorry? By Maeve Benji. Yes. I've read that book a billion times. Really? Yes. Yeah. I, I have not read it. <laughs> that, um, yeah, the, my mom read it like a ton of times when she was a teenager and she, she named me after uh, one of the characters. Uh, I have also not read it. I mean, listen, you don't have to read it if you don't want to, but uh, I love that. <laughs> I do have it. So, like, eventually I probably should end up reading it, being that it's my namesake. Ashleen's more of an audiobook reader, which is still valid. Yeah, that's I say this. Yeah, I say this as a librarian. Um <laughs> But anyway, we are uh, we're doing Miss Congeniality today, and to give you guys some background really quickly, um, so this movie came out in 2000. It was directed by Donald Petrie, who has also directed How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and Grumpy Old Men. We've already covered How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days on this podcast. We, we didn't care for it very much. Did not age well. Um... It was written by uh, Sandra Bullock. Oh, not written by Sandra Bullock. <laughs> she, she produced it. It was written by Mark Lawrence and Katie Ford. Mark Lawrence is known for things like Two Weeks Notice and Music and Lyrics and Did You Hear About the Morgans? He really likes Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant in his movies. Uh, mm. Katie Ford has also written um, Prayers for Bobby and she worked on Desperate Housewives. So she's also Canadian. You, <laughs> I've interviewed her. <gasps> you have? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, for another project that she was doing here in Canada, and I was like, "You wrote Miss Congeniality?" <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh man, my degree of separation is so much closer now. <laughs> what uh, for this movie? Because uh, obviously, you you really liked this movie. What what was this movie for you like? Because um, I guess uh, like when it first came out. 
Right. I, uh, first of all, I can't even remember when it came out. I feel like I've seen this movie probably 10 times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fair. I love a makeover movie and I love a montage. Right. And I love um, a lady kicking butt also. I'm also, I have a borderline obsession with Sandy B. Uh, I just feel like we should be best friends. I get it. So, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, she was so charming in her movies, like, throughout the years. Like, that's that's why she was, you know, in all of these, like, romantic comedies was because she's so charming as an actress. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Yeah, my mom um, thinks she's the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> so my mom said if she ever swung in the other direction, she would want it to be Sandra Bullock. <laughs> um. So, uh, this movie, of course, stars Sandra Bullock. She plays Gracie Hart. Sandra Bullock has been in other movies like Practical Magic and uh, While You Were Sleeping. It also stars Michael Caine as Victor Melling, who was Alfred in the Batman movies and has been acting forever. Uh, Benjamin Bratt plays Eric Matthews. Benjamin Bratt has been in movies like Coco and Traffic and Law and Order. He was also in Modern Family as Javier. Uh, Candace Bergen plays Kathy Morningside. Candace Bergen's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in Bride Wars, Murphy Brown, Boston Legal. Um... And then William Shatner plays Stan Fields, best known for Star Trek, of course. Ernie Hudson plays Harry McDonald, and he's been in films such as The Family Business and Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. I think that's it as far as the major players. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you had to guess Rotten Tomatoes scores, what would you give it for a critic score? Oh, I feel like the critics were not very nice to it, maybe. I'm going to say 60%. Okay, Ajeline? Um, I think 50. Yeah, 50. Mmm, 42%. Really? 42%. 69% audience, though. So the audience likes it. The critics hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, some of, some of them were not kind. I feel like it's... Look, is it a masterpiece? No. But it's got a... It's a solid story. Like, it's mm-hmm. a, a little bit... It's got a... It's, yeah, exactly. Like, the one review that made me go oof was, basically, this is like a really bad film from the 80s that seems to be remade with Sandra Bullock digitally grafted onto the horrible plot. Chris Gore, film thread. Wow. And a- <laughs> Get over yourself. It's a fun <laughs> plot. It's great. I'll tell you why they hated it. It's because it's about beauty pageants. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And every single one, except for one of the, like, every single rotten review seems to be a man. So. They don't want women to have fun. No, 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 no. Not at all. And that's the thing. This movie, like, made a lot of money of the time period. Like, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, its budget was about 45 million. It made a total worldwide gross of 212 million. It made bank. 
it made investors very, very happy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like it was yeah. one of those movies. I think for this time period, though, there was like a little upskill of, um, I guess, like, like butt kicking women movies, uh, like mm-hmm. Char- Charlie's Angels, like the you know early ones in the two thousands, and there was like a few others where they just kind of. Like, they just all kind of, you know, accomplished of that, like, early 2000s time period. And then it kind of, like, dropped off the face of the earth, I want to say, until about 10 years later. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, now we're super into Lady Butt Kickers. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in the renaissance of it. But that's a really good point. Like, it, it was big for a couple years. And also, I feel like this was when we were really fully discovering Sandra Bullock's comedy chops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I also think it was like, I like to think of the 90s as kind of like the decade of women, if you consider how prominent women were in pop culture, like, especially in like country music and pop music. And rom-coms kind of dominated the box office from like 98 to 2004. Like they were the huge selling, selling movies. So I think it's it's kind of interesting that all of that kind of suddenly dropped off when, I mean, didn't the first Iron Man come out in 2006? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's what happened. <laughs> like Robert Downey Jr. is ruined the it. Kidding. <laughs> I love him. Uh, yeah, I do too. So he's he's come a long way from his co- cocaine binge days. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about this movie. It's it opens up with a FBI raid. Um, no, it doesn't. My bad. It opens up with a childhood reminiscence scene. <laughs> Were you thinking of the heat for a minute? I was. <laughs> to be fair, Sandy. very similar. <laughs> they just put uh, Melissa McCarthy uh, in it, and then like it was slightly different. But that was also a good movie. Uh, man, that shot him in the dick joke gets me every time. I, I, it's <laughs> almost a perfect comedy. It's I. We could also do a second episode about the heat. It's true. <laughs> I, I, I get the feeling that a Sandra Bullock month is somewhere in our future. <laughs> I don't know where, but somewhere we've kind of we've kind of mapped out most of next year. But things always change. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like, she's this nerdy little kid, right? And, like, she helps this little boy who's being beat up. And then she's like, yeah, we can be friends. And he goes, no, you're weird. Now I'm going to be, like, laughed at because a girl saved me. And then she proceeds to punch him in the nose and then calls him a wimp. Yeah. And he goes running off crying. That's what he deserves. Feminism. (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what us feminists that that is our future that's what we We condone violence (laughs) no we don't please don't please please don't (laughs) that was a joke um no legalese please uh so this is when it passes forward to uh, like she's doing that uh that fbi thing um like sting operation she ends up not following the orders because some guy ends up choking. So she ends up, like, accidentally getting her partner shot, and it's all her fault. And 
I I gotta be honest here. I hate Benjamin Bratt's character. I hate him. He, the character is definitely not sympathetic in any way, and he's a butt kisser who will throw anyone under the bus. Talk about boot licking, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. like, and like, it doesn't get better throughout the entire movie. Like, it, you would think that, you know, like, he becomes a little bit, you know, sympathetic, or, you know, maybe there's something underneath, but the entire time he's just, like nagging her and like the worst and like there's no part where you're like oh he really is a good guy none no i i never get that it's true and it's weird that as the romantic lead like yeah he never is sympathetic in any way or he's just a dink the whole time and this is where i'm a bad feminist because watching the movie it's like yeah, he's hot and mean. I probably would try to date him too. <laughs> That's the problem. See, Ashley and I like to write stories together, and I, I have to say, I love writing assholes. Like male assholes are so much fun to write. Ashley loves to write them too. It's because of movies like this, like it is. between that and romance novels, which like every romance novel that I've ever like read, the guy is a complete dick but i'm into it so like our whole generation is just like really likes bad boys i guess but yes we in most stories though he does have a moment where he goes oh i've been being a dick you never get that here eric never ever has any self-reflection no ever not even in the sequel. Like, he's an asshole in the sequel. <laughs> he, is he in the sequel? Yeah. Yeah. He's in the sequel. For a second. But they, like, they break up. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, and to be honest, they needed to. They <laughs> together in the first place. Right. Well, that's she the thing. This, enti- this entire movie, like, would have still been good if they did not have him as a romantic lead. Like, they could have had that part where, you know, she's like, hey, I think that, you know, uh, that the guy's still here, that it's a copycat, right? And, like, he could have been like, yeah, I agree with her. I support her. But he's like, no, I'm going to turn my back on you. And it's like, right. how do you like. Stop smiling at him, Sandra Bullock. Like, he's the worst. <laughs> I kept saying every time they had, like, a flirty moment, I was like, uh, no, Gracie, don't do it. No. <laughs> Which, at the end of the movie, like, he goes to kiss her and she's like, no, you've been mean to me the whole time. Like, that would have been great. But in That would have been like, funny. Yeah, they totally make out. Like, what? Uh. I think that's indicative, though, of, like, those, that era of rom-coms, though, because, like, consider movies like What Women Want or You've Got Mail, where the guy is just the absolute shittiest human being possible, you know, and then the, the women still end up with them. And I'm just like, oh, I hate it, but also I kind of love it. I know. Uh, <laughs> I wanted them to make out. Right. <laughs> I was like, this is the problem. I know it's problematic. I can't help myself. Enemies to lovers is a trope I adore. Damn it. 
<laughs> this one, it's like she learns a lesson that she was too far one way, but right. he doesn't have to even learn anything. No, of course not, because he's a man. He's already perfect. <laughs> As we all snort. <laughs> right, exactly. So, anyway, the raid goes wrong, or the sting operation goes wrong. She's basically put on desk duty. And then this new case pops up where they need someone to kind of pose as a beauty pageant contestant. And in comes the worst scene in the movie, where they're looking at computer-generated images of the women in their office wearing Barbie doll clothes. Yeah, where did they get pictures? Like, it's everyone, they seem to have a picture of everyone at work in their underwear. Like, wh why would you have that in a database? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Maybe, you know, maybe it's because they're the FBI, right? And so they have blackmail material and they're like, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll make these nudes if you do anything to betray us. I thought that I was the know. CIA. Mm. Eh, two horns on the same goat, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um so so like there's the scene and they're all laughing and cutting up and like making and body shaming the hell out of a lot of the women that work there i felt so bad like oh uh, and the fact that they had a few women in the office with them like not just gracie like they had like this other like older woman and they were like body shaming like women that were you know not conventionally beautiful in their like 40s and 50s and it was like the you work with these women like what are you doing yeah it's it, yeah like they're either putting these outfits on the hot ladies and being like oh yeah or then putting it on ladies they think it'll be funny and being like disgusting <laughs> oh yeah, let's put it on. Uh, let's put let's put dresses on ourselves as men because uh, cross dressing is hilarious. I I didn't like. It's definitely humor that is not aged well, mm. and it wasn't funny. And then here comes Ernie Hudson's character, while you know Benjamin Bratt's character is laughing his ass off at uh, the captain being in a dress. And then he's like, oh, why didn't you warn me? Like, fuck off, dude. You should have been doing your job. This is what my tax dollars are paying for. I hate it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did make Benjamin Bratt to film that scene. And it, it's, I love, yeah, it's great with the whole, like, he's behind me uh, moment that he has. But yeah, fuck you, Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck, fuck you, Eric Matthews, which makes it terrible because I love Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World, and you share the same name with this adorable dope, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, but yeah, they 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 decide. Hey, you know, Gracie, Gracie looks kind of good. Maybe her, you know, but she's like basically a man, you know. <clears throat> so Sandra Bullock has one eyebrow. She is disgusting she eats like she just shovels food in her mouth she manspreads her legs whenever she sits yes. it's like why can't i understand that the point is to have a contrast and have this woman that you would like never think uh could win a beauty pageant like be in a beauty pageant but at the same time it was like aggressive like she was it was like she grew up 
uh, in a well or something. And had- <laughs> she was Maybe she was Jess- unhinged <laughs> as a human being. <laughs> Are you saying that she's baby Jessica? Oh no! Baby Jessica, they just left baby Jessica down there. She had to be around people. It was drastic. Fair enough. I I agree, though. Like, it really was this, like, I guess, mannish portrayal, but, like, gross. Like a slob. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I get it. I act like that when I'm home alone for a couple of days and, you know, depression. But, like, come on. We we all put a little bit of makeup on. We, you know, pick ourselves up at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. So... So, of course, like, they go to the beauty pageant thing. I really liked the, the framing of the one shot where the woman in charge, uh, Candace Bergen's character, when she stands up and she's talking about how she was, you know, Miss Miss America. And you can see the crown on the picture kind of over her head. I thought that was a cute shot, you know, because she's obviously, like, trying to radiate some queen energy. Um, Candace Bergen's asshole is amazing. Oh, she's so good at it. Yeah. So good at it. Oh, she oh. does it in like such a um like an eloquent way. She she literally is like what we refer to down here as like um good good Christian bitches, you know? Like the, <laughs> they 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 basically look at you with a smile on their face while they tear you limb to limb with their words like <laughs> it's really she's that, got that energy bless your heart sort of mentality right. right that's it that's that's the energy i'm talking about so anyway she's like here we can send you to this one guy uh he he's one of the best right so in comes michael kane's character uh victor victor is very gay and like uh, very into beauty pageants, very professional. And there's this one scene of homophobia where Benjamin Bratt's character comes close to him and Victor gives him a hug or something and kind of sniffs him. <laughs> and then Eric's like, nah, man, uh, uh, I'm going to back away now. And then like almost basically runs out of the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like that like I liked Michael Caine's portrayal but I didn't like that aspect because um, of that time period there was almost this homophobia um, like predator sort of like mentality especially for straight guys where they're like oh no a gay guy's gonna like feel like me, up. me and gonna fill oh. me up and treat me like I treat women I was about to say <laughs> oh no a man's gonna treat me the way I treat women oh no what am I gonna do guys I don't know if I made this up but would that be called I feel like it would be like bromophobia where oh. a bro is like oh, I'm so hot this guy's gonna wanna do me oh <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> Oh, I like but that. But I, I, I feel like there are men who have this mentality about themselves. They, The ego is very strong. Yeah. Right? It, there's not, <laughs> not quite as much as like in the last, I would say, 10 to 12 years. Like 10, 10 12 years ago, it was all over the place. Like it yeah. just, it was rampant. But pe- like 
I feel like it's kind of done this shift where, like, p- there's still people who are homophobic, but, like, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. There's hmm? been some progress. I think so. There's been some progress, I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, a general acceptance of uh, courts standing up for, like, uh, gay marriage and stuff. I feel like that's kind of helped move the dial along quicker than than we expected. So that's nice. But um, there's still so much work to do. Um, so, <laughs> of course... My favorite line in this whole scene is when Victor sees Gracie and he's like, if this is the woman, I quit right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I quit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then they sit down to eat and she's just like, of course, being this overly done slob. And she's like, yeah, with that Jersey accent. And he's like, we do not say yeah, we say Yes. Yes. And you know that she's a, like a monster and a slob because she put ketchup on her steak. Oh. Mm. The sinfulness. <laughs> it's also, she doesn't, she's not just gross, but she doesn't like people like Vic. No. Right? She thinks like, if you care about looks, um, you're stupid. And so they equally think the other one is a loser, kind of. Right, right. And so Victor's like, okay, well, I guess I have no real choice in the matter. So we'll we'll start training now. So it's like, we'll glide down the sidewalk. Glide. <laughs> okay. The way that she was walking. Oh, no, nobody, like, walks like that. Well, uh. I've seen some dudes walk like that. But, like, I've legit never seen that, like, in the flesh where somebody's like how do I even describe it it's almost like like this hulking troll walk almost (laughs) it's true it was bad and then she's like oh I don't know how to walk feminine like come on it was very exaggerated so after this is uh, the scene where we get like the beauty montage basically and she gets waxed, she gets shaved, she gets plucked and pulled, and all these all these things. Her hair gets done all all nice. Um, but they, they do need- it almost like in a like a like a Rocky montage. Yeah, but, and also they need an entire airplane hanger to, yeah. to, to do all the things they need to do to her. Yeah, because she's that much of a disaster. <laughs> So they need like 30 people in an air because then they have that like the right stuff shot when they all come out of the airplane hangar and then mm-hmm. she's the big reveal right of she's hot and then she trips yeah yeah also they did not have to bikini wax her they, they could have shaved it it wouldn't have been not as painful for a pageant huh? <laughs> not for a pageant you have to wax that Ugh. Well, yeah, because you're in the because ba- that's the thing. She's in it like there was the bathing suit competition part, right? So, Ugh. 
Yeah, I I like I like how Kathy Martin says like you feminists think that this is anti-feminist and anti-woman, and I'm like, to be fair, pageants by their nature are based on how a woman looks. They're rarely ever about anything else, mm-hmm. you know, and. <laughs> Like, they pretend, and this whole, like, it's a scholarship program. You spend so much fucking money on these pageants that you could have spent into a college fund, and you would probably get more money. Like, these pageants are expensive, especially if you've been doing pageants since you were, like, four years old. They're expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Um... You have to get the wax, and you have to get your hair done, and you need a victor, and you gotta pay all those people. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Scholarship program, my ass. Sounds like a scam. (laughs) Um, So anyway, we have, like, basically her first, like, uh, time, like, showing herself off, and it's on stage. Uh, Or no, no, no. This is uh, where she, like, meets all the other contestants, right? For the opening before the pageant. And we get to meet the most adorable human being in the entire in the entire world, Cheryl Fraser, Miss Rhode Island. I adore her. She's my favorite character in this movie. She is great. She's very cute. She's a bit much for me sometimes, mm-hmm. but she fair enough. She does appear to be the sweetest person who ever lived. Right. Sickly sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's, like, no malice underneath it. Mm-mm. So I think that's why it feels like it's... It is a bit much. Like, I don't know. It, it feels like there should be, like, something deep, dark underneath that sweet exterior. But, like, there isn't. She's just... But, like, the things she drops about her upbringing? My God. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she had a horrific super evangelical childhood from the sound of it and like very strict parenting and then like i i don't think she watched tv until she was out of high school (laughs) she's probably headed for a breakdown oh yes definitely but like is it in the second movie no oh well (laughs) the point um and then there's also that whole thing where like, when um, Sam, uh, Gracie is tasked with getting her drunk later on in the movie, like, she's, uh, you know, Gracie's like, well, have you ever committed a crime? And she's like, well, I did still red underwear because my mom thought that they were Satan panties. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, there was this one time where this professor attacked me and I was like, wait, hold the fucking door. What? You poor baby. You yeah. poor baby. <laughs> she, this is the thing about her, though. She's so sweet, but she doesn't understand how bad her life has been. And that's it, a bummer. It does. She's such a sweet, happy, bright, optimistic little thing. And I'm just sitting here going, your life is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, I do not want your life well, at that's all. That's the other thing, too. Like, that, that whole scene, right, where, like... She's saying about, like, yeah, her professor attacked uh, her or whatever. Like, they kind of, they gloss over that in a way. And it's really just kind of used as a thing so that 
Gracie can use it later to teach people for her talent part how to defend themselves. Yeah, she's a poor little plot device. <laughs> um, so I will say the 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 first day of the pageant when they're doing like the breakfast or whatever, and the equipment goes bad and then it zings in her ears so so loudly that she's like, "Ow!" Oh my god! And then she's like, "Oh my god!" It's because I didn't pray before I ate a bite of my bagel. <laughs> oh sweet lord! <laughs> uh, I I like I felt like that was such a weird, a moment almost like it didn't feel. Yeah, it it was an awkward bit of comedy. Yeah. Um. I, I will say, though, I don't care for William Shatner that much, but he milks his role rather well. I am not a big William Shatner fan either, but I love him in this movie. Yeah, he's got kind of a charm to him, but also he's still the asshole, you know what I mean? Like, William Shatner loves being the asshole, and yet in this film he has a little bit more... Well, he's, he's basically playing Regis Philman. It's true. It, it's true. I I will say I was kind of scared watching this movie because I couldn't remember if Donald Trump makes an, appor- an appearance. God. Because, you know, he was so heavily involved in the Miss America and Miss Universe pageants. I was worried. I was like, please, God, don't let him oh, be. No. Sorry, guys. My phone rang. Okay, Sorry. It's okay. We can edit it out or leave it in. Wait. <laughs> it's fine. I can edit uh, it out too. <laughs> no one ever calls me. Why is this happening? <laughs> because you're because you're on a podcast with someone else. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like William Shatner, I think he does a, a good job in this movie as someone as I don't particularly care for as a whole. So that's nice. Um, and then we kind of meet some of the other contestants. You know, we meet Miss New York and Miss Texas, Miss California, Miss Hawaii. Um, they are all tropes of what people think their state is like. And of course, we have a spicy Latina character because that's what a Latina woman is in in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, <laughs> I did like the twist, though, at the end with her. Oh, yeah. Where, where the, she the, comes the, out, like, where she's like, you know, yeah, I'm a lesbian. And then everybody's like, oh, my God, that's so shocking. And it's like, but but it's not. <laughs> like, Yeah. All. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it was played for the shock value in, in, in 2000. But like us now, it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Gay rights. Awesome. Right on. You know. <laughs> uh, you know what? The this scene and. The the breakfast scene. Now I'm starting to be like, oh, maybe the critics had a point. <laughs> <laughs> there are I some mean scenes where just because I love most of the movie, there's some scenes of this movie where I go, oh no, this is bad. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Oh, one hundred percent. Like there are there are so many scenes in this movie where I'm just like, oh no. Yeah, no. like I wish that Eric Matthews's character had not been a part of her nighttime like uh learning lessons. 
I, I hated him there. He was useless. Absolutely useless. But I did like how Victor and Gracie kind of, you know, got to understand one another better and got to have a respect for each other. And then, of course, there's the the classic scene where he's telling her she needs to close her legs while she's walking down the stairs. And then it's like she's got 30 fucking guns up under her skirt. <laughs> where was she hiding all of them? I just thought that was normal for America. It's true. It's yeah. true. Oh, that reminds me of like one of the jokes in this movie I absolutely hated. So they do the question portion, right? And she's like, oh, so what do you think, um, what do you think we need to do to make the world a safer place or something like that? And she, without hesitation, says, more punishment for probation violators. And I was like, wow, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Because, like, probation as a whole is basically, like, entrapment. You know, they free you, um, but then they add in all of this extra stuff that makes that's really hard to keep up with. Like you're a convicted felon, but you're supposed to find a job within a certain period of time. You're supposed to pay back restitution while also having to live on your own and reintegrate yourself into society after being locked up. You're supposed to do all of these things. You likely don't have reliable transportation, which you need in order to go to your probation officer. Like there's a lot of stuff that often compounds with people who end up violating their parole most people who um, are on parole end up violating that parole or violating another law while they're on parole and it's because of how the parole system works at least here in the United United States so when she said that I was like Ugh, bad cop energy yikes well, and especially right now too where we're at with policing in general it's mm -hmm. also such a, it it feels different and yeah it's totally a catch-22 right like it's the system is designed to keep people in jail so it's uh it's yeah but you know and world peace <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything everything bad and then world peace That's yeah like i was actually like something that you know i was told to say at a pageant by somebody who had won a pageant before <laughs> so Say world peace yeah world like peace. as a joke so uh, my... and i did <laughs> i didn't win that pageant though <laughs> of course not because you said world peace which is the thing you don't say in real life well no um, <laughs> like in that pageant so i do i do drag pageants uh and yeah it like I did the actual question part, and then I was like, yeah, and Twiggy, the Empress, you know, 15, told me to say world peace. Mm -hmm. And everybody laughed. Cool. That is yeah. funny. Um, it's used oh. ironically. I get it. Uh, so then there's the other question that has become a meme in recent years, where it's like, how would you describe your perfect date? <laughs> She and shines. She shines. Sweet little Cheryl is like, if I had to pick a perfect date, I would say April 25th when it's not too hot and it's night not too cold and you can walk around with a sweater on. And I'm like, you sweet, innocent baby. <laughs> every, and that's the thing. It comes around every year, April 
fifth, like fifth, everybody posts it. Exactly. It's kind of like um, Mean Girls Day is October 3rd because in the movie he asks what day it is. It's October 3rd. It's, it's just funny how meme culture has made these arbitrary movie dates that are named into meme days. It's funny. It's very funny to me. Uh, is so, great. huh? Sometimes the internet is great. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's such wholesome, dumb shit. <laughs> I love it. Or, like, uh, in April, like, the last week of April, how many It's Gonna Be May memes do you see? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's got its perks. Um, so, anyway, it's... Sorry, it's there's, found- like, a full-on thunderstorm outside, so... It's all right. Yeah. We'll make do. Uh, So anyway, after this, it's found out that Cheryl was involved in some, like, PETA stuff. Uh, So she might be, like, a terrorist. And so it's up to Gracie to try and figure out what her angle is. They They all go out drinking. She has a good girls' night with everybody. It's a fun time. Um, and then she, and how course, they were acting about the pizza though when she comes in and all of them are like hounding over that pizza like it's the holy grail of all things and they're like and then one of them eats the pizza and they're like oh my god we're being so bad <sighs> like almost having an orgasm just tasting the cheese <laughs> uh, yeah I <laughs> So, um, are you guys still there? Yeah. Okay. I I was just, I was just, I was just making sure because my internet likes to fall out sometimes. (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah, like they have the big night. Turns out that Cheryl couldn't possibly be because she's like the most innocent human being on the face of the earth. And then the next day happens, or is it that night she, oh, that night she comes back from drinking and it turns out that they found a citizen uh, that had all the explosives. And so they're the ones that did everything. And so everything's wrapped up, time to go. But uh, Gracie has had like this, what's the word I'm looking for? Premonition? No, premonition is not the right word. Intuition? intuition will do but that's not the word I was looking for um but she has this intuition that like oh my god I know who it is and then she's like Kathy Morningside did you know her son was actually Frank Tobin but he changed his name she's gonna be fired right like she has motivation for wanting to kill someone at this beautiful pageant and they're like "Eh, wrap it up time's up Nah, you know. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, the Miss Texas is, like, the terrible gossip who, like, mm-hmm. is saying, you know, uh, ends up getting all of the dirt from Stan. And then that's how she found out through, um, like, through Stan about how Kathy is also being fired and how yeah. he's, like, her son or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's- also, the other thing, too, how is he, like, I mean, I know he's, like, considered, like, a gross, disgusting character, but, like, was he really that gross? How is he different from Eric Matthews' character, you ask? Yeah. He's pudgy. Mm. <laughs> Let's be honest. He was no more gross than Eric was. 
But because he was pudgy and not conventionally attractive like Benjamin Bratt is, he's a villain. Weird. Hmm. Yeah, this movie does have a lot of really problematic messaging <laughs> now that we're... <laughs> well, I mean, there was a lot of, like, body shaming in general. Like, just from even the beginning where they were like, oh, that woman's fat ass is in the way. And it's like, good lord. Yeah, like, You people are terrible. Strong. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, what the thing is, though, is, like, it's just comedy for its day. And I... I, I Allison, I hate it if we're ruining this movie for you. Ashleen kind of had like a moment when we did. Uh, well, we haven't done it yet, but what's that movie you like so much, Ashleen? The Blue. Which Blue Crush? Blue Crush, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ashleen, after we started doing this podcast, Ashleen was like, "I have now ruined that movie for me." I love that movie, <laughs> but oh man, it is. Yeah. And, and it was like that time period, like that time period had so many like amazing girl power movies, right? But they always put in like a guy in it and it just ruined the plot. Like with Blue Crush, like that could have been a fantastic movie where like, you know, she finds herself, right? Like that's what it was supposed to be. But they put this guy in here and he's the one who like gives her the pep talk to like become a great surfer. And it's like, but Why? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, Listen, so anyway. Huh? Go I, ahead. I'm going to say, it's... I have been fully aware that this movie is a problem every time I watch it. And I know it's kind of my issues um, that allow me to love it. But I uh, talking about it out loud is sort of bumming me out. But oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna watch this movie sometimes. But yeah, it's like now I really have to look back at like why do I like makeover movies so much? Yeah, uh, love but- the. Well, I mean, I like I straight up love pageant movies in general. Like I always have or cheerleading movies or whatever. Like I like those girly movies. Um, And I think it's okay to like them. Like I think it's perfectly fine to like movies that definitely have not aged well. Like it's fine to love movies that have problematic things in them. It just shows maturity and growth that you know that those things are problematic. And as, But as long as it doesn't take away the joy of watching the film, you shouldn't have any guilt over watching it. Like, Ashley and I talked about this when we did Labyrinth, right? Like, Labyrinth is essentially a million-year-old guy who <laughs> wants to marry a 15-year-old. And, like... His I goals love- are out the whole time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in that movie. Right. Exactly. Like, David Bowie is the reason I know what, what a penis is, I'm sure, because I watched that movie when I was seven. Right? It's like, it, it's got its problems. But you know what? I love it. I love that movie. I love it so much. Great movie, man. It's a great movie. Exactly. So I I feel like you shouldn't have guilt about something that you enjoy watching. It, it's, just a, it's just a sign that you actually know that the thing you're watching has problems that makes you a better person. So I like, like that. I, yeah. I'm not on board with the idea of like cancel culture in the sense that we should cancel movies that are problematic or wrong or something because they're definitely of their era when they're made. Mm-hmm. So like 
we've grown from that. We see that this is bad, but we've grown and we can still enjoy it. A good movie is a good movie, right? So even even Gone with the Wind, with all of its racism, with all of its racism and all of its problems, still holds up as a really good film. But fuck, man. It's got some issues. Lots of racism. So much. Lots. So, so much racism. So much racism. It like, I can, I can appreciate that film because it's well acted and, like, the character of Scarlet is just so complex, especially for a female character of that era. Mm. But, yikes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um... Anyway, uh, the the last night of the pageant arrives, and Sandra has decided, or Gracie has decided, that she's going to do this on her own because, fuck it, she knows she's right. She's following her woman's intuition. She's going to set things straight. So she does the pageant. <sighs> okay. And okay. What? The thing I have to say about this part, right? So when she goes in there and she's got her little bag of makeup and she's looking like a disaster, right? And she's like she like is going through and she's like oh my god which one's the lipstick i'm sorry what how do you not know which one's the lipstick gracie but like every single girl in there which i mean i i appreciate was just like oh my god ladies we gotta help her out and then they all help her out and i was like okay that's actually pretty sweet it's not women competing against women appreciated Mm -hmm. we like to see it (laughs) <laughs> one moment where because yeah the other the FBI agents are like we're leaving we feel like the case is done so she doesn't get to have Victor anymore so she has no one to help her and it is nice that in that moment it's like she's always been one of the boys and all the boys abandon her and the girls show her like we're here for you yes yeah, yeah. Yes, I didn't read that much into it, but you are 100% correct. I like that take. I mean, watch um, it 12 more times and then you'll get there. What? I said watch it 12 more times. <laughs> right, right, right. And you'll get there. I got you. I got you. Uh, so the, the pageant starts and, you know, they're going through the things and uh, she... She ends up, uh, it, it ends up that Victor and Eric come back to her and they're like, yeah, you're right. There's, you know, these issues with Frank or whatever, uh, because he's, you know, uh, Kathy's son. And so they all come back and they're watching and <laughs> they do like another question portion. Then they do the, uh, no, they don't do a question portion this time, but they do the talent, right? And the girls drink her water so she can't do her talent. So what does she do instead? The sing method. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I actually did learn this from this movie, and I think it is valuable advice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I also she's... like that she emasculated uh, Eric on the stage because yes. he deserves it. He's terrible. He is. He deserved that whooping. Yep. But again, we don't condone violence. Well, no, but like, I mean, earlier too in the movie, right? Like there's the two of them and they were fighting, Mm -hmm. which was like another weird part where like he tells her that she has to wear the swimsuit and then he ends up like he like actually beats her. But then she gets him in the last second by like tripping him up. (laughs) So fucker deserved it. I hate him. I hate him. (laughs) He's not Uh. 
Huh? He's not a nice man. He's a bad he's, man. He's, I mean, yeah. He's not, he, he, th- that's the thing. He's not a bad man in the sense that he's not the bad guy in the movie and he's not evil. But he just sucks. He does. There's nothing like I. I can appreciate a man who's willing to say he's wrong or like a moment of clarity where like they kind of redeem themselves a little bit. Like even a smidge, you know. Even if he apologized to her just once. Yeah. And he never does. He's the worst. <laughs> um. So uh, she teaches us the sing sing method, which is solar plexus instep. Uh solar neck? plexus oh yeah is it now oh so solar plexus uh yeah in- solar plexus solar plexus instep nose groin that's what it is i was spelling the wrong word in my head and then getting confused so yeah stomach stomach instep nose groin that's how i remembered it um and you know she ends up making top five because of that then they do the top five thing and uh what's face frank ends up coming up with the crown that's got the bomb on it all that fun stuff they realize sandra realizes that the bomb is excuse me that the bomb is the uh crown so eric's trying to get the crown from him or the remote from him Miss New York ends up getting fourth place. She doesn't give a shit. She loves her woman. Awesome. Miss Texas gets third place. And she's pissed. Miss, <laughs> um, Well, no, Miss Nevada got fourth place, right? Yeah, I think so. Fourth runner-up. That, and that then, was the other thing, too, right? So we have Miss Nevada, who, or Nebraska, I think, who, like, we have not seen at all all during this movie right right and it just it's like but why why wouldn't you put say like uh miss hawaii there or whatever like somebody else that like we knew like we didn't give a fuck about miss nebraska (laughs) she's just a person right (laughs) didn't make any sense sorry you guys no it's i keep talking at the same time as you and then it throws everything off so i'm it's not only that, it's my my mother's in my living room. Mom! <laughs> That's she okay, I have care. a full-on thunderstorm behind me, so... Our audio is going to be smashing. <laughs> it, it's fine. This is fine. Um, yeah, so with... Uh, just in general, like, with... Um, the. Okay, so... The whole plot of, like, blowing up the crown or whatever, it feels very convoluted, almost. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that, like, Kathy Morningside is, like, pissed off because they're firing her after how many years? But, like, she's gonna blow... She's gonna kill an innocent person with the crown because of that? Like, it just makes no sense. Like, I know she's terrible, but, like... But why? Ashley, you're not supposed to ask these questions. You're just supposed to let it happen. I know. (laughs) To be the defender of the film, you know, this is her legacy. And she Mm -hmm. spent her whole life building this pageant into what it is. And they think that they can just 
throw her in the garbage. Yeah, because she's old and they want the newer model. Yeah, and how dare they think they can do this without her? Yeah, exactly. She got a big... That's fair, because, like, that happens to a lot of women, especially in the, like, entertainment. I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get too old and you get put in the garbage bin, even though you're not that old. Right. Right. It's True. time to retire you, Bessie. Like <laughs> Out to pasture. <laughs> Out to pasture. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what they were telling her, right? So, um, of course, beautiful Cheryl Fraser ends up winning. She's Miss America. And then all hell breaks loose on stage because the crown has the bomb on it. And you have Gracie trying to steal the crown from Cheryl and Miss Texas coming up and trying to, like, get Gracie off of Cheryl. Cheryl is crying her eyes out while Gracie punches, (laughs) like, she punches Miss Texas in the (laughs) nose. Yeah. And William Shatner is just like there. Like she is she is beauty. She is grace. She's Miss United States. <laughs> like just over in the corner while everything is going to absolute shit. And finally Gracie manages to rip the crown off and throw it up in the air and towards the Statue of Liberty and when she does, kaboom, right? Explodes. Explosion. And this was definitely made pre-9-11 because, let's be honest, that would not happen in a movie post-9-11 for a long time. I mean... Right. So, like, you can tell this movie came out before. <laughs> well, um, that's the thing. Like, they even mentioned at one point, like, when they were saying, oh, well, we can blame it on somebody else. Like, you know, Muslim jihadists, they don't really like the swimsuit competition. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, boy. Awkward. A little bit. A little bit. Because, yeah, this movie came out, like, just before 9-11. Like, within a year before. before. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, its opening date was... December of 2000. So this movie was getting put on VHS tape and DVD about four or five months before the September 11th attacks. So, mm, oh boy. Uh, So anyway, the movie ends with uh, her, like, you know, the day is saved and then she's getting ready to leave and go back with the FBI. Everything's all working out all hunky-dory. And then, like, the next day, one of the ladies is like, oh, my God, Gracie, you have to come here. There's, like, this huge emergency in this, you know, room. So she runs in, and it turns out that it's uh, all of the contestants, and they have made her Miss Congeniality. And then she gets up on stage, and she says, I thought that this pageant was anti-feminist, but it isn't. And I'm just like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not. Yeah, I gotta tell you though, the bet the one thing that I love about that scene, right, is the fact that they had the crown all in those flowers. I just wanted that so badly. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, 
yeah, I think Gracie Lou Freebush, which was her pageant name, learned yeah. not to judge people, right? Right. Um, no, the pageant is still garbage. The women in it mm. are not. But the idea of making women compete over their looks, yeah, that's not that's not feminist. No. Yeah. <laughs> not- oh, so apparently, in the original cut, there was supposed to be this storyline about Gracie's mother. In the first scene, after young Gracie gets into trouble for beating up the two boys, her mother was called to the school to reprimand her. And the story behind her mother was that she was a top FBI agent who was killed in the line of duty. And that is why Gracie wants to make, wants to become an agent and make her mom proud. It was cut because the director thought that the whole story was too much and Sandra Bullock was already bringing enough sympathy to the character without having to bring in another storyline. Yeah, I mean, we didn't need another woman in this movie, did we? No, no, not at all. I think it would have added a lot of depth to her character, though. She's not that... She's not a really deep main character. She's pretty shallow. She's a walking... A walking trope. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was being sarcastic. We we should have brought the mom in. Yeah, it would have made this movie better, I think. Adding a more emotional angle... They were even supposed to have, like, the original Miss uh, New Jersey, who was actually, like, cast for it, right? And the two of them were supposed to go to the gym and, like, ask her to relinquish the title. But they, like, cut the entire scene because he wanted the story to move along a little bit faster. But I guess uh, the director felt bad about it. So he actually had her come back and play Tina in the crowd when... um, Miss New York's oh. like, Tina, I love you. Oh. Okay. The New um, York a- and New Jersey right. together. Uh, apparently, Cheryl's question of what your idea is for a perfect date was a real life beauty pageant answer. Oh, that's adorable. That's so cute. Yeah. Bless that girl. It's kind of like... I feel so bad, though, because those girls are not there to answer geopolitical questions, right? And, like, especially the teen pageants. Like, That's I feel so bad. That's not a geopolitical question. No, no, no. Like, okay, I, I say this only because, like, uh, there was this question that was asked, and it, it became a really funny, popular video uh, where poor little Miss South Carolina a few years ago was asked some geopolitical question and she's 16 years old. Yeah. And they ask her a question and she doesn't know the answer and so she rambles on for 45 seconds. And then like everybody makes fun of her for that and I feel so bad for her. Like why are we asking geopolitical questions to beauty pageant contestants? I, I think the idea is they want it to make it look like, oh, we'll see. It's not just about beauty. Yeah. But then they're arbitrary answers that don't really matter. You know? Yeah. No, the, the question period is supposed to make us think that they care how these women think. They do. But no, it doesn't matter. It's how good you look in a bikini and how good you look in evening wear. Like, and your talent porch and being right. entertaining. Mm-hmm. You gotta sing and dance and look pretty. That's that's the main goal. Like, I, I am... And I don't think that's, like, necessarily, like, a bad thing. Because, I mean, that's entertainment in general, right? Well, mm-hmm. depending on your, you know, 
uh, side of entertainment, right? But, like, I mean, that's essentially what singing is, is, you know, be in a cute outfit and dance and, you know, sound great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> apparently, the, you know, we didn't really talk about it, wasn't that important, but they do uh, parody I'm Walking Here, where she goes, I'm gliding here. So. Oh, from Midnight Cowboy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I did not like about this movie either is that the reason she gets the Miss New Jersey spot is because Miss New Jersey had involved herself in a porno, and that was a bad thing. So we're shaming sex workers? No. No. Don't like that. A pageant would definitely shame a sex worker. They would. They would. Oh, 100%. It was just like, what was it a few years ago? Uh, One of the contestants for Miss America had a son or daughter out of wedlock. She wasn't married, and so she was, like, disqualified the fuck that's insane yeah i i remember that i i remember that didn't didn't, uh vanessa oh my god what's her last name didn't she have to relinquish her title because she did vanessa williams Um, yes she did playboy so she had to relinquish her title or something yeah uh back in the day anyway pageants are weird is my point yeah I that is a really like terrible weird thing um there was apparently like a scene in the trailer that was missing from the final version of the movie uh because the character wasn't actually in but he was supposed to be in the movie and that was Gracie's father apparently asks her if she's a lesbian and then she laughs and answers I wish oh my god and Edward Herman was supposed to be her dad fuck man like peak Gilmore Girls time too. He would have been perfect. Shit. <laughs> that makes me mad. <laughs> the first Miss Congeniality, in case you didn't know, was actually 1941's Miss Oklahoma, a Pawnee American Indian named Miffy Shunatona. So there's that. Do you, do you have any kind of trivia or fun little bits, Allison? Oh man, uh. I don't think that I do. That's fair. <laughs> oh, to be uh, fair, I didn't. I didn't tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know what? I'm now. I'm like racking my brains, going, "Do I okay. remember when Benjamin Bratt was dating Julia Roberts? <laughs> was he? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> my God." They dated yeah. for a year or two, and it was like, um, it was definitely post Lyle Lovett. I think we all felt a lot better about Benjamin Bratt. Um. <laughs> oh yes, uh, they did date in uh, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, not long before this film. Mm. Ooh, John Reese Davies was considered for the role of Victor Melling. Oh man. Would that would have been, been a, that would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, he's a two <clears throat> and those crazy eyes would have it, it added a weird dimension to that character. 
Samuel L. Jackson was considered for the role that Ernie Hudson had. Um, Matt Dillon was originally cast as Eric. Uh, he would have been a perfect asshole. Mm-hmm. Matt Dillon does play asshole very well. But um, I, he would have almost been better because I feel like Matt Dillon is great at being a charming asshole. Right, right. I agree. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was also considered for the role of Eric Matthews. Uh, nah. He had that charming good boy thing going for him at the time. I like, think it was he was post too Titanic. young, though. No, this was post-Titanic. No, he but I think... too young. I think he would have been way too young because, like, of this time period, Benjamin Brad was, like, in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, well, he was in his 30s, and, like, Leonardo DiCaprio was still in his 20s. That's fair. I feel like there is no way DiCaprio would have said yes to this movie. So I feel oh, like no. they might have considered him, but I don't think he ever considered them. I mean, no. what was Leonardo DiCaprio doing in 2000, right? Like, oh, hold on, Shutter I'll Island. tell you. <laughs> no, oh, no, I think that was, that was later. But it wasn't that much. Like, he had just done Titanic. He was yeah, just like, Titanic in- was his big thing. And then in 2000, he was doing... The Beach. The Beach. And then Don's Plum. And then Gangs of New York. Yeah, oh, God, it. no. He had just done Celebrity and the Man in the Iron Mask. Oh. Yeah, he already He already thought he was too serious for movies like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had passed the rom-com stage without even stopping. He, he's. Yeah. I don't think he's ever done a rom-com. I think he's done thrillers and dramas. I don't think he's ever done a romantic comedy. No, what, he, Titanic he had- wasn't a romantic comedy? Not really. <laughs> no, I don't think... I mean, he has barely even done a comedy. Like, he has... Tarantino is about as far as I could go with what his comedy chops have been outside of growing pains. That's what I was going to say is like, yeah, his Tarantino movies are the closest he's done to a comedic role. Uh, Well, Uh, and Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street is hilarious. Like, the dude is fucking terrible, but it's hilarious (laughs) because he's such a shitty human being. But but I would say it's comedic. It's not. It's not a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and even even the Tarantino stuff, like the Tarantino stuffs, aren't comedies. But he plays a more comedic character. Yeah. Like, um. So yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have been a good fit for this movie. It's not like uh, guys like Colin Firth at the time who kind of had like this history of doing romantic comedies and were known as romantic leads. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think. Uh, I I don't think that Colin Firth could have done something no, like I'm this. Not, I'm not well, I mean, he has done some terrible movies like St. Trinian's, which is a god awful movie, but I love it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, here's something fun. The guy playing the bass guitar in the backup band at the talent competition is fucking Robert Rodriguez. Spy Kids Robert Rodriguez. Machete Robert Rodriguez. I, 
I love it that the first thing, because for me, Robert Rodriguez, like the last thing I associate him with is Spy Kids, but I feel like that also is, I does, I'm not going to lie to you, I think I'm a tiny bit older than you, and <laughs> I'm also uh, a little bit older than Gracie, I'm so like, I never watched Spy Kids. They're uh, absolutely I- fucking terrible. <laughs> hysterical to me that you're like spy kids Robert <laughs> like oh oh okay that's where we're going I what, what do you what do you think of with Robert Rodriguez out of curiosity oh my god I go back to I mean El Mariachi and Desperado like his oh my god movie. yes Desperado <laughs> fuck yeah so it's like I go right back to the beginning mm-hmm. and I I know he did the Spy Kids series, but it's like I think of everything but Spy Kids when I think of him. Um, nice. And also, like I've read, he has um, a book out called uh, "Rebel Without a Crew" that about how he made El Mariachi for like almost no money and the crazy stuff he did to finance it. Mm-hmm. And it's like so when I think of him, I think of him as this like guerrilla filmmaker. And the idea that there's, like, a whole generation that's like, oh, Spy Kids. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, he is he is one of those directors that definitely has a aesthetic and style. Like, you can pick out a Robert Rodriguez movie if you don't know the director, you know? it's right. it, He has a very set kind of style to his work. Um, oh, he did Sin City. I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing with, like, this podcast. Gracie, like, knows about movies way more than I do, and she's watched way more movies where, like, I have watched almost no movies, and, like, you know, I've I've happened upon movies here and there, or it was on the movie network in the early 2000s, and I watched it a lot, right? So, that's where I'm at. Fair enough. Um, so... Right place to be. (laughs) So, are you ready for your thanks IMDb? Yes. Like, thanks IMDb is a, a thing where it's very obvious, but they include it anyway as fun trivia. So, Victor makes a sarcastic remark about Grace having an armored car in her dress when she hands over all of her weapons. Sir Michael Caine would end up playing Alfred in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, where he provided support to Bruce Wayne, who drove an armored car. Wow. Thanks, IMDb. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. They worked so hard to stitch those two together. <laughs> they did. They were like, ooh, what's this one random reference in this one line that lasts half a second? Ooh, we can tie that to Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh, me. and uh, five out of 51 found this interesting. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, because it's not. The fact that so many people didn't find it interesting just shows how fucking stupid it is. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean, I don't know what else to talk about. I think um, we can move on test? to the tests. Yeah. I was, I was getting there. I'm sticking my tongue out at you, but you can't see it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gracie. Uh, say goodnight, Gracie. Uh, Anywho's. So, our first test. 
Uh, we have the Bechdel test. Do you have a scene where two women are on screen alone talking about something other than a man? Holy shit, that is a loud ass truck. Um, <laughs> and the truck first time that, that anyone has referenced what's going on around them that I've actually been able to hear it. But I heard that loud and clear. Right. <laughs> um, I'm sure my microphone has picked up nearly every single sound because my walls oh. are thin. <laughs> oh, I, I can straight up hear that like thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So <laughs> back to test. Two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man. This happens several times. It passes. Then you have the racial Bechdel test. Do you have two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than someone other than a white person? No, you do not. Um, then you have the Macklemore test. Do you have a female character whose storyline isn't about pushing a male narrative forward? Um, I would say that Gracie's arc is her own, even though just for the simple fact of that uh, Eric doesn't have an arc. He is an asshole throughout the entirety of the film. He serves as like plot fodder, but he's not like necessary. You know? And when he backs away, like when she's like, no, I don't think we've solved it. And he's like, yeah, we did solve it. She still goes ahead with her own. She follows her gut. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to go with um, sh the, it definitely passes. Then you have the uh, DuVernay test. <sighs> and the DuVernay test is, do you have a black indigenous or other person of color involved in the film? Do they matter to the plot? Is their storyline more than pushing a white narrative forward? And the only people of color in this movie end up like helping uh, Gracie's character understand herself a little more. So, um, it does not pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with the sexy lamp from a Christmas story? Yeah, you could, you could, you could replace nearly every single contestant <laughs> that has a name. I think other than, um, than, uh, Miss Rhode Island. Yeah, I think Cheryl is vital enough that you couldn't replace her. Um, and, uh, Miss Morningside, you could not replace her either. That's the thing. There are only three relatively important women in this film. Yeah. It's not, it, I mean, it passes some of the tests, but, like, the Bechdel test is, like, it, even though so many movies fail it, it's, like, so easy to pass, right? It's oh, the yeah. bare minimum. <laughs> It really is. It's like, um, but overall, like, this movie is not good for women. No. It, it holds up a lot of toxic tropes mm -hmm. as fun and fine. Um, and and I, do, I do have two more tests. Uh, the Vito Russo test, which is the test where uh, do you have a person who identifies as LGBTQA+, do they matter to the plot, um, are they more than just uh, their sexuality or gender identity? I'm going to give it a pass because even though Victor is gay, he's not like flamboyantly gay. And he matters to the plot because he helps Gracie understand herself a little better. Uh, well, and he's well, not a walking like 
or mid, not mid, but like late 90s, early 2000s trope of a gay man. I agree with that. And I also think that more than just helping Gracie understand herself, like she could not get into the pageant without him. So he is vital to the plot. Yes, exactly. Like you could oh, not 100%, replace him. So yeah. I, I will give this, I will give it a pass on the Vito Russo test. And our Which final test. Which is pretty test, rare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't doesn't often have like unless the character is a lead in the film if there's a gay character um it it typically doesn't pass because they're often just played for the laughs and then the last test we have is our kez test which is named for the wonderful kez uh that we met on twitch um and the idea is do you have someone who is uh someone who is perhaps not able-bodied who is neurodivergent uh, do they matter to the plot? Are they more than just their disability? You know, that kind of thing. Um, there are no people, like, who have neurodivergent, uh, any neurodivergency or are not able-bodied. Everybody's able-bodied in this film, so it does not pass. Um, so, yeah, yeah I a, mean, huh? That's that's definitely the toughest test. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. I'm guessing 97% of movies fail, um, which is too bad. Yeah, there, yeah, there's not a lot of um, disabled people or neurodivergent people in film. I think, mm-hmm. like, when I think of films like that, I think of movies like What's Eating Gilbert Grape, where neurodivergent characters are played by people who, I, I hate to use the word normal, but you know what I mean. Um, don't actually have that that yeah whether it's a genetic or whatever it is right they're pretending um the only one i can think of off the top of my head that actually passes this is peanut butter falcon where they have a um a down syndrome an actor who has down syndrome playing someone with down syndrome right like Mm -hmm. amazing yes more of this please Breaking Bad has, um, uh, the son has cerebral palsy. Yeah, yeah, like, um, but, like, as far as, like, most media, though, you're not gonna see that kind of thing. Most of the time. This is actually a a pretty new test of ours, Mm -hmm. um, that we, we didn't come up with it, uh, it's named after the person who did come up with it, Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of... Uh, they were like, oh, this would be a really cool idea of, you know, for a test to put in there because nobody really talks about that sort of thing. Right. And and we try we, we try very desperately to be as uh, as inclusive as possible. So, yep. <laughs> I love it. Yes, we do try now. Uh, so <laughs> I think we can agree this movie is not very feminist. But the next question, because what matters more than anything is, is the movie good? And I'm going to start with you, Allison. Is the movie good? I am going to say yes, because here's the thing. I have fun when I watch it. And Mm -hmm. that me is often, that's what I care about the most often with movies like I'll watch a lot of award-winning movies and I'm like, listen, it's a beautiful story. It was well acted, but it was a bummer, man. And now I'm depressed. (laughs) And a movie like 
this, which, yes, is also a bummer in a way because I watch it and go, oh, God, am I ugly? Do I need an airplane hanger filled with people? Um, but at the, uh, you have a good time. Sandra Bullock is lovely. It does end with the women really backing each other up, which I do love. You don't see a lot of that the cattiness in this movie. Right. And so I'm going to say overall, because I have fun every time I watch it, yes, it's a good movie. Fair enough. Ageline? I mean, it's a popcorn flick, and I... Like when we watched it the other night, I I enjoyed watching it, and it, it's one of those movies that like I grew up with, and I I don't know how many times I've watched it, but I I've watched it quite a bit. I just had it in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, yeah, I I think that's one of the things when when we do discuss like these movies, like, and we know that hey, it's super problematic, but. I think you can still enjoy something even though it is problematic. At right. least, isn't that what Na- Anita Sarkeesian said? Maybe. I'm pretty sure she did. Okay. Um, I I also like this movie. Like, it's not one of my favorite movies. It never has been. But, like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it, you know? It's it's not It's not meant to win an Oscar. Though I do think it was nominated for a couple of Golden Globes. Um, wasn't it? Yeah. Did it win one? Maybe I don't know. Oh, I'm cu- now I'm curious. I don't think it did. Uh, no, it was just nominated, but it did win some stuff. Did it win a Razzie? That would be funny. Oh God, it won a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for favorite actress, favorite supporting actor, and nominated for favorite supporting actress. Amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing. That, that makes sense to me. It won the oh Bogey Award in Germany. <laughs> what the hell is a Bogey Award? I don't know what that is. Yeah. And Bogey makes it sound terrible. And it won uh, the Teen Choice Awards for Best Comedy. Amazing. I mean, the teens loved it. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the American Comedy Awards gave Sandra Bullock Funniest Actress in a Motion Picture. So. I still can't get over that Blockbuster award. <laughs> I it, like, know. It makes me, like, you know, miss Blockbuster. Because <laughs> I'll, like, always remember how they... they uh, Blockbuster started, like, popping up in Canada, like, oh, by the hundreds, almost, in the early 2000s. And then, like, as soon as they were there, it was as if they were gone. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to brag, but... I was a shift supervisor at Blockbuster. Beautiful. So that's a management position. Nice. Good on you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite only- thing about working at Blockbuster? Uh, you know what? We got 10 free rentals a week. So that was when I branched out. Like, I watched... Uh, Anything impressive I've ever watched movie-wise in my life was uh, when I worked at the Blockbuster. But we also had a discount, and I used to buy movies like crazy. Like, I used to have a VHS collection that uh, would blow your mind. But, uh, you know. Fair enough. Like, racks upon racks of DVDs? Or VHSs? Um... Not like racks upon racks, but just I had a lot of them. And look, I was, I think I was 19 
uh, when I stopped working there. Like I worked there from 18 to 19. And so it was, you know, a young girl's dream in the movies that I purchased. A uh, lot of DiCaprio. lot of DiCaprio. Fair enough. I get it. I, I totally get it because <laughs> that's all I spent my McDonald's money on was CDs and DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you don't even need CDs or DVDs anymore to, to entertain yourself. You just need 10 bucks a month. They'll never know the struggle of having to choose what album to, to pick because you only had $10. It was so tough. <laughs> Kids today. <laughs> now they have Spotify. Not to get all boomer on you, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my nine-year-old nieces told me, okay, boomer. And I was like, nice try, little one. Like, I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm not even 30. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh so yeah, Allison, I had a really good time. I hope you did too. Um, I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Do you I have love, any? And I love the convo. Oh, Sorry. thank you. Oh, you're fine. Uh, do you have anything to plug? I would just really like to. Um, oh God, can I be a gross person and plug multiple things? Do oh, it. One hundred percent. Plug them all. Sh- yeah. No shame. If you have Sirius XM, and if you don't, we have an app, and it's so cheap. Um, uh, my, I host a daily talk show. Uh, we are an entertainment and interview-focused show on Channel 167 called The Breakdown with Allison Dore. And then I have a weekly show on Channel 168 that is, celebrates women in comedy and uh, easily found uh, at SiriusXM.ca. And then I would love it if people would check out Howl and Roar Records. Um, it, it's a female-centric record label that I started a couple of years ago. And so 70% of our output is focused on women in the industry. And then of the remaining space, um, priority is given to men um, of color or in the LGBTQ plus uh, community. But no one is excluded. Um and so we have about 20 albums out now. And I would love it if people checked out the comedians. You can go to howlandroarrecords.com or follow us on socials at howl underscore roar. And um, we're just trying to help comedians create content and boost some voices in the community that are not always uh, getting heard. All right. All right. That's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, uh, and as for us, you guys, you can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Feminist Critique, where every other week we do our podcast on there for you to watch. So if you want to catch an episode early and without any editing, uh, we we do two episodes every other week. Um, And then we also uh, do politics twice a twice a week and we also do a movie night every friday so you guys should definitely check us out there um i am on twitter at south of grace and our our podcast slash twitch twitter is at feminist pod ashleen i'm also on twitter as ashleen's a-i-s-l-e-n-e-s because there's already somebody who has ashleen and it makes me mad but that's besides the point um, and then also I have my uh, drag uh, Twitter slash Instagram, which is Aurora Borealis. Amazing. 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, again, Allison, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, everyone else, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.